You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 159 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Ooh. And Andy. Hello, chaps. So on this week's show, we've got a couple of brand new books to flick through. We have got Warzone Octarius, book one, The Rising Tide. And we also have Crusade Mission Pack Containment. Um, so we've done um, some written write-ups of these over on the website. But what we decided to do on this week's show uh, is have a, uh, a quick flick through, pick out some of the best bits. Um, some of the bits that are a bit more meh uh, and give our overall impressions on what we think of the book. Um, we are also going to be talking about our top three Warhammer Underworlds warbands. There are quite a few now. And I, when I was doing my top three, um, you kind of realise that, my days, there is a lot of them. Um, this is all, of course, because Harrow Deep is now on pre-order, which is the latest season of Warhammer Underworlds. Uh, and coincidentally, we also have a review of that on spruceandbruce.com as well. Uh, we'll also be chatting about all of the latest news, and we've got the community top three towards the end of the podcast as well. Before we delve into all of that, though, I think it's I think it's that time where we go around the room and discuss what we've been up to in the hobby this week. So, Matt, do you want to start us off this week? Well, I managed to finish off my Beast Snagger characters, and oh, they are such cool models. Yeah. I, I really, I, I saw somebody had um, converted a Beast Boss uh, to be an Auruk, um Mega Boss on Warcrusher, and I was like, ah, oh, I really want to do that. I really want to do that. But the model itself, even without any conversion, is just amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. I would highly recommend painting it in sub-assemblies, though, because there's quite a lot of overlapping detail that you won't be able to get your brush into if you do stick it all together. The instruction manual actually spells out the parts that you need to leave as sub-assemblies as well, which is brilliant. Really, yeah. A lot of the newer instructions, there's a little brush icon on the instructions to show you keep that part separate and paint it first. Mm. So, yes, yeah, so, so really good. I've also started airbrushing my squigs as well, so my squig hog boys. I've airbrushed up the squig, so I just need to paint the riders now, really. And then, uh, yeah, once they're done, just get through the the beast snagger boys themselves, and then the army's ready for the tournament. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how they do on the battlefield as well. Yeah. Um, should be uh, should be a lot of fun, and you've done a really good job on those, Matt. I really yes. like your orc skin. Yeah, well, that is it's really really easy. It's just uruk flesh. Uh, is it uruk flesh? Yeah, uruk flesh. The new base paint. And then Orc Flesh Contrast, they're both similar names. Uh, I, I find that using the contrast over a solid colour, like the green, gives a really nice result. Yeah, they look really, really good. Yeah, they're um, a bit brighter, aren't they, than uh, other Orcs? They are, yeah. Kind of a bit of an old school kind of vibe to them, which GW have done in a lot of their new Orcs, so that kind of very green, green, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> brighter in appearance, but perhaps not in intelligence, but definitely in appearance. <laughs> Uh, Andy, what have you been up to this week? Um, so it's a bit of a quiet one for me this week. Um, I finished off painting the squig herders uh, for my Gunspike gits. Um, I think those have been wanting to be painted for about two years now, if not longer. Um, so it was really satisfying to get them done. Um, I've done a bit of uh, 
a bit more work on my bone reapers. I've only got 20 more tech guard left to do, and then the army's done. Um, and I've managed to base coat them all with Xandri dust. Um, so I've got all the uh, the base colours down. I'm going to start painting them um, later on this week. Um, and then the rest of the stuff that I've done, I've done a little bit of building. Um, I've been building some of the um, Vindictors from the Dominion box set. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling a bit of a Stormcast love at the minute. I've been flicking through the Battle Tome quite a bit, so um, I've been flicking, uh, just building the Vindictors at the minute. And then the rest of my hobby this week has just been uh, reading. Um, with the Warhammer Plus um, £10 gift card that they gave us uh, for being a subscriber, I used it to get a discount on the Dominion book. That oh, came yeah. out at the same time, third edition and the Dominion box set came out. Um, How is it? I've, I've I've kind of not got into much. Um, I don't think I've read any Age of Sigmar kind of novels. So, how is it? Um, well, I'm only a couple of chapters in, um, but without spoiling anything, it's really gripping. Um, but I'll give you a, a basic rundown. The prologue, which isn't any spoilers. Um, there's a boy and his sister running through a forest with their father, and the father's a bit of a hunter, and they're basically being pursued by an army of orcs, and they're trying to get to Excelsius, which is the city that Kragnos attacks in the Kragnos mm. book, and it's basically just um, uh, sort of like a prelude to the events of Kragnos, effectively, from what I gather so far. But like even in the first chapter, there's um, a dodgy back alley deal uh, going on and you find out that one of the members is actually a slanesh cultist <gasps> spoilers um <laughs> but yeah no it, it's going it's it's a really good book so far but like i said obviously reading it is, is taken away from uh, valuable hobby time building and painting models so yeah that's that, why that's i listen to audio books yeah, yeah yeah it's probably would have been a smarter idea to be honest with you but yeah so a bit of a quiet one this week excellent uh, Jay, what have you been up to? I have been painting Black Templars. So I'm still on the highlighting stage of the Black Armour. Uh, so I'm batch applying highlights. Um, it's a bit, bit of a, a slog at this point, but I think once this bit's out of the way, hopefully in the next couple of days, I, it can then start working on like the, the gold details and the things across all the models for the infantry. And that, that, that'll get the infantry completed then. Uh, so yeah, so I'm just trying to pace it through. So I've had, I've had like Andy, I've been um, consuming some um, Black Library, except I have been consuming it in a form of audiobook and uh, the Warhawk in particular, the latest Horace Hosey book, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's me, just Black Templars. So are you, is this like a unit, or are you basically just doing the rest of the box all in one go? So not just the rest of the box, Dave. I've got 10 Assault Intercessors, my 10 Primary Crusaders outside of the box, um, and I've got a Chaplain and some Blade Guard Veterans, which is all my infantry in my 1,250-point list that I'm, I'm, I'm taking to the Purple Sparkly Unicorns. Um, so that's what I'm working on now. I'm trying to get all the infantry done because I've got a couple of vehicles in my army, a Dreadnought, a Gladiator, and some ATVs. But those things, I can just from experience painting my ultramarines, I can rattle them out in an afternoon. They, I just sort of because it's one model and it's a big model, it, it, they're really I find them really easy to paint. 
So I'm leaving them till the end because I can I reckon I can pull a few late nighters to get them done if it comes to it. The important thing is getting this infantry done. And the, the most time consuming bit is applying these highlights because it's like a, I don't do as many lasers as I do on the characters. So on the characters, I, well, there's like a, a chunky sort of mixed highlight initially, then Incubi Darkness, then Thunderhawk, then Fenrishian Grey, then the uh, wash over the top of it. And then I go back and pick out a few spots highlights as well so that's quite time consuming on the basic infantry that i'm doing i'm just doing an incubi darkness highlight a thunderhawk blue highlight and a firm region gray highlight with the glaze so four steps um so yeah so like i say it it's a bit boring a bit sort of monotonous at this point but once it's out of the way that's the bulk of the army done then and it's onto the interesting things like um the chaplain and um, the, the vehicles which I, I know i'll be able to rattle through Excellent. Sounds like you've been uh, very busy and fully embracing the back painting as well. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to do it, really. I, I'm not, you know, traditionally I would paint a model up. Uh, I, I, I would have paint one model up just to get to know that the colour scheme is OK. But I think since painting a lot of stuff for this Brisbane Brews uh, site and whatnot, it, it's just a bit easier, I think, to back challenge. And I think, yeah, basically it's just a bit of self-discipline. Like I got like the feeling that I wasn't finishing something and that would sort of disappoint me. Whereas now, I think just set yourself a target for each session. So it's not going to be a complete model, but if I can get the this level, uh, this stage of highlighting done on, say, 10 models in a session, then that, I've achieved something, and that, that's good then. I'm on track. So it's pacing yourself, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that, that sounds really cool. Um, I've also had a, a little bit of a, a quieter uh, weekend, had quite a few things going on there. Uh, in real life but obviously i did the reviews of the the um the new books which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show uh, i've done a little bit more work on the void dragon i put the texture paint down on his base that needs to be dry brushed um, and I, i've still got the the masonry work to i'm going to try and highlight as best as i, I can it's it's it's, it, it's part of my painting skill set which um i've not really done that much of so uh, i'm hoping to try that out uh, and then it's going to be a case of picking out all the scarabs that I painted over, um, which are all over the base um, <laughs> in different places. So I want to pick all those version of skulls. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're always dotted around like a uh, quick look now and I can see three of them. Um, they, they, they like putting them everywhere on these bases. Um, so I'll be picking all those back out. Um, the only other thing I've done is I built five Death Watch uh, infiltrators because I, I I couldn't really sit upstairs um, painting on this particular evening, so I thought I'd do some building downstairs and build some infiltrators from a Death Watch. Uh, and I've also done after writing the review in particular for Warzone Octarius, it really fired me up to um, look at my Cadians. Um, so I decided to try and finish my general. Um, he's nearly done. Um, I'll, I'll send, I know it doesn't work very well for podcasts, but I'll, I'll send a picture of him to you guys in a minute to, to check out. But um, he's been really fun to paint, and uh, I can't wait to um, to get an army of these for a crusade. Uh, I've got a list that I'm aiming for, um, and I really want to get those done. But I need to get my Necron army completely finished, ready for raw um the purple sparkle unicorns tournament first before i really concentrate on uh concentrate on these cadians but you'll see why we're obviously talking about the book in a bit you know it really got me um inspired to to check them out for crusade nice. uh, 
yeah, and that 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 wraps me up. Um, and I think that wraps up this first part of this week's podcast. We've got plenty to talk about, so we're going to take a pause and come back with all of this week's news. So, Matt, what do we have in this week's news? Well, we've got quite a host of pre-orders this week. So, first of all, for, for something that's not happened for an age of this world, we've got uh, some more Middle Earth releases on the way. How exciting is this? So we have got The Fall of the Necromancer, the latest uh, narrative supplement for uh, The Hobbit. Um, and yeah, so basically, if you've seen these before, they've done a few now. They've done the Rohan one. They've had the the, the Journey of the Ring Bearer one. This um, covers the, the, the Fall of the Necromancer. So the White Council getting uh, the returned Sauron under the guise of the Necromancer out of uh, Dol Guldur. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing that because I love um, what, 40k, Age of Sigmar is nice to have a massive army. And, you know, we've been playing Crusade and, and Path to Glory and stuff. But the nice thing with those narrative campaign books is that you can take a relatively small force with not many models and, and play through a bit of a story. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Well, just Along... before lockdown, we started playing some Lord of the Rings. We had a game, didn't we? And it we was did, amazing. yeah. And, and then lockdown happened because I think we would have been back the following week playing another game, Matt, myself. I really it was, enjoyed it. It's literally like the week before lockdown, wasn't it, it that was, we were playing yeah. this game? And we've not had chance then since lockdown, so since then, to, to sort of pick it back up again. But now Games Workshop seems to be showing Middle Earth a bit of love. I, I, I have a feeling that this Christmas might be a bit of a Middle Earth Christmas for us. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's going to be nice to... Um... To like get them between us, we can probably put together the models for a lot of these narrative supplements and play through the storylines, play through the the journey of of the the fellowship, and play through this story arc and see if maybe our decisions go a different way to what happened in the books and the films, and that's quite fun. You know, nice thing to do as a group. Uh, alongside this book, there's some cool models coming out as well. So there's the Witch King in his new plastic model comes with him uh, mounted and on foot. And, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I did the made-to-order of the old metal one not long ago. So, uh, <laughs> but the plastic one did look really good, so I'll probably upgrade it. You were it. deceived. Horrible. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there's also the ruins of Dol Guldur. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool to see some more Middle-earth scenery as well, because, you know, let's face it, the Middle-earth scenery they put out has been amazing. Lake Town stuff looks great. The Rohan stuff looks great. So now we've got some more kind of middle earth ruins that we can use which is really really cool and they've also got some dice angmar and witch king themed ones uh so yeah pretty good price wise the book's 30 pounds which is about the going rate for the middle earth books the scenery's 40 pounds the witch king's only 20 which is which is decent and then 12 pound 50 for the dice so they don't seem too bad uh we've also got a load of age of sigmar releases as well for the Cruel Boys, we've got the Bolt Boys at £29 for three. Are a little bit pricey, but they're also really good. So <laughs> I can see a lot of people having, I don't know, what, six boxes of these maybe to fill out your battle line in a big yellow's army <laughs> to, to make things into pincushions. That's certainly the way I'd go if I built a Cruel Boy uh, army, which will happen at some point, I'm sure. Uh, the Hobgrots are also available separately. At £31.50, which seems a little bit on the pricey side, considering oh, I think they're literally giving them away on eBay because people can't shift them. Uh, mysteries, aren't they, you know? So. 
you know what? You know what? I, I really like the Hobgrot models. And again, if you're going uh, lots of uh, Bolt Boys, you probably want some screens of Hobgrots as well. And they've got ranged grenades and stuff, so it kind of fits on the ranged army theme. So I think people will start picking them up now that you can get the Bolt Boys. Um, we've got, though, however, a load of Stormcast coming out. You know those awesome dragon models that we all can't wait to get our hands on? <laughs> uh, yeah. They're not out. They're, they're oh. out in December. So both the named dragons and the dragon cavalry, yeah, they're a December release, unfortunately. But that means you can put it on your Christmas list, I guess. But it looks like the rest of the Stormcast are up for pre-order, though. So we've got Vanquishers at 3650, Vigilers at 3650, we've got Bastion himself at 2650, Annihilators at 3150, uh, then the Knight Relictor, £21. He's the new uh, kind of priest for the Stormcast. And then we've got the Vindictors and Praetors out of Dominion, also available separately for the first time. Uh, Vindictors, 31.50, Praetors, £29. Um, and with that, apart from the dragons, that is everything out. Uh, I know a lot of people are disappointed because those dragons are amazing. And let's face it, a list with about, you know, 14 dragons you can probably fit in is probably going to be the go-to Age of Sigmar list for a bit. They might have a points change in FAQ by the time they come out, but hey, we'll see. Um, but yeah, they look really, really fun. It is also, we mentioned last week, very nearly um, Warhammer Day, and the limited edition Vampire is £21, which I think is a really good price. Yeah, that's that's really good. He's a very cool model. Have they said anything about limiting orders? Because I imagine it's probably going to be like one or two per customer, isn't it? No, I I, I think it's... They'll probably do a made to order. It's, it's on the it's on the general uh, stock list for stores, so I imagine they've made quite a few of these. Oh, okay. The Space Marine is GW Web Store exclusive. Um, I mean, I'm not a fan of that anyway. It's just like a variant to the one in Indomitus, really, isn't it? Uh, I imagine a lot of people will want that vampire though because she, he, it, it looks very creepy. Uh, so yes, lots lots of models. We've also got. Um, some stuff coming from Forge World. So uh, the Verminator, <laughs> who uh, is a is a Ratog with no fewer than twenty seven lifetime bans. <laughs> um, he is the Eric Cantona of the Bud Ball uh, world. Oh, he's amazing. So he's got a rule. So obviously your um, your secret weapons, you use them, you cause as much damage as you can until that um, that kind of push ends, and then you get sent off. The Verminator's got a special rule where the first time he gets sent off, he doesn't actually get sent off because he intimidates the ref. Because of course um, he does. Allowing you to just then do some more carnage the following turn. So, yeah, he looks really, really cool. Uh, we've also got Wilhelm Cheney, the, the werewolf star player as well, who looks really cool. He's catching a ball in his mouth because, of course, he is because he's a vampire. So, yeah, so they're both coming out. We've also got a new uh, t- uh, knight for Adeptus Titanicus. The Acastus Knight Astarius. So this is the uh, the Perferian variant, but with like a conversion beam, a weapon rather than the the other gun that's on the other variant. So yeah, really really nice model. Uh, Forge World resin, I assume. Uh, yeah, one to add to your uh, Adeptus Titanicus force. But you know what, guys? Guess what's coming soon? It's nearly Christmas. It is mm. not too far on the horizon. And we're starting to see some of the kind of gift stuff starting to trickle through now as well. So okay. Koyo are doing another range of blind bags. They did it earlier in the summer, 
and I think they're about three or four quid and you got a blind bag and inside it was a pin badge I collect pin badges so that's kind of my bag uh, they've got a new range of 12 um, different badges with a chance of getting a limited edition antique gold black legion one oh, nice. it's kind of like chaser one in that range the Marnius Calgar comic has been compiled into a trade paperback with all the different various issues of that so if you didn't pick up the individual comics, you've got the kind of bound comic book version, which is really cool. But most excitingly, the Games Workshop have done their own advent calendar the last couple of years, a Black Library one, where every day you get a piece of artwork. But it looks like some of their licensing partners are also doing their own advent calendars. Oh, for such real? as the Bandai Space Marines Chibi Advent Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so this is every day you'll get a new space marine from a different chapter it looks really cool i don't know how much this is um i'm guessing it's on the slightly pricey side i imagine but uh yeah it looks really really cool i i i quite like that they're doing stuff like this i don't know if you guys have seen this yet i miss that i've not i've not seen that so it was, it was it was on Warhammer Community over the, over the weekend. Yeah, Advent Calendar, different Space Marine behind each window. They look really fun. They they, they did a range of chibi models earlier in the year with a sister battle and a Space Marine and stuff. So it looks like they're all the same pose, sadly, but they are all painted as different uh, chapters. Yeah, I've got the sister battle one. Um, she sat on my PC desk downstairs. So yeah, that's really cool. And, and as part of the set, you get a display board for them as well. So. That's one worth watching out for. I imagine if you do want to pick it up, because that kind of stuff sells out super quick, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And then on Warhammer Plus this week, tomorrow, uh, we've got a guide on painting white armour. So, you know, Louise Sugden's got all bases covered here with the different colours, the hard to paint colours. Yeah. <laughs> we've got the Angel's Blade Supplement for Warhammer 40,000, which is that a Blood Angel supplement? I, I've not seen that one myself. Angel's Blade. Blade. No, I'm not sure. Could be dark. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, Blood Angels. It's um came out with the Traitor's Hate thing, which was ah, yeah. Chaos Space Marines, and this is like the Blood Angel side of it, basically. Cool. Uh, we've got White Dwarfs, January to April 2018. If you check out the February 2018 White Dwarf with the custodian on the front cover and you turn to the reader's models, you'll actually see my great unclean one in that one. Nice. Oh, so nice. Immortalised on the internet now, so super excited for that. And then uh, for animation, Hammer and Bolter, we're finally at the striking Scorpion episode J in the Yay. Garden of Ghosts. So there is some Eldari love on Warhammer Plus this week. So yeah, so it's really cool. Now that's not the only news that we've got though. A couple of days ago, we had a little something, just something scuttled in for uh, Warcry Red Harvest, which is, we assume, the upcoming Warcry boxed game, I guess. Second edition, technically. Well, I don't know. Was Catacombs a second edition or a spin-on? Either way, the new the new Warcry game, which has uh, two factions fighting each other over a load of scenery, presumably. And we've seen one model from that box, the Broodmaster. Now, at first, I was a bit... When we saw the original trailer, I was expecting a proper, like, insect race. And mm. from the reveal, it's not. It is it is a different flavour of cultist, like we've seen with all the Warcry stuff. And at first I was like, oh, it's just like a guy with a spider mask. But the more that I look at it, the more that I like him. He's got, like, multiple limbs. He's got, like, some kind of weird frill thing coming out of his head. And it's a really creepy-looking model. 
It's very creepy. I like all his arms and his like daggers and swords and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's really freaky. Um, so obviously he's gonna have a whole warband with him, and, and traditionally the the models within the warband are quite varied for Warcry as well. So it could be that we see some like spider yeah. thing in there, and they're just like one of the, the normal dudes. So that's really cool. We don't know who they're fighting as well. So that's also exciting. They try to have two different looking forces against each other. And if you watch the trailer, it looks like we've got some new Varen Spire scenery as well. So where the original Warcry was more kind of like ruins, wasn't it? And then Catacombs were set in a dungeon. Um, it looks like this one is set. It, looks, it basically looks like, like the bridge leading up to the Varen Spire. So if we've got some new modular kind of Varen Spire scenery, that'll be really cool for Games of Age of Sigmar as well. Because they did yeah. do the big scenery set didn't they? it was like 300 quid uh, but it was a bit chunky and i don't think it was on the shelves that long i don't think it fit oh, too well together the old um chaos dreadfort okay i just yeah, yeah. they've got it at warhol world aren't they some of the dioramas of the, yeah. the tables and stuff have got it on there where this looks if it's something if you imagine the kind of amount of scenery you get in the war cry box but kind of as parts of the bridge and the kind of like defenses of the Varen spire Again, conceivably, you could put multiple of them together to get the impression of a castle without having to have the physical structure, which, to be fair, it probably works best for gaming, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, I did like that Dread uh, Fort, though. I don't think it was very cool, very imposing. Yeah, so so hopefully, I'm, I'm sure it won't be too long till we see some more details on Red Harvest, uh, but that can't be too far off. So, yeah, quite a, quite a nice assortment of uh, news this week. Excellent, excellent. Just going back to the very beginning um, about the Stormcast Dragons, do you think one of the reasons we're seeing a bit of a delay on these is because of the internet reaction to them and that everybody's making dragons lists and they're like, we are going to sell out? Or do you think Well, surely else? if that was the case, Game Searcher would be like, here, buy all our dragons so we make lots of money. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if they make it, try to make more of them to then, and then release them all at once. I don't honestly, know. honestly, I think it's going to be something really boring, like getting boxes from China. Or, or there's that really boring um, idea. Yeah, Pro- yeah, yeah. that's, you're, you're that's probably, probably right. more likely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. That's quite a bit of news there. Um, it's time to delve into some new content in our next segment. So we'll be right back. So I have in my hands a couple of brand new books. Um, I've got Warzone, Warzone Octarius, book one, Rising Tide, and I've also got the Crusade Supplement Containment. Um, what we're going to do in this segment of the podcast is we're going to have a, a bit of a discussion on the different things that are in both of these books. Um, if you would like to read my full reviews of both of these, they're over on spruceandbruce.com. I will pop the link in the podcast notes as well, so you can check them out at your leisure. Um, and I will get this in at this point, so I don't forget at the end of the segment. Our thanks to Games Workshop for sending us both of these books to preview, because these are both up for pre-order right now. Um, I was quite excited for these. Um, I didn't realise until I came to collect these from you, Matt, that the Death Watch was in this book as well. Mm. So it's like Tyranids, Cadians, Death Watch. That's um, that's pretty tasty. And from what we read and um, digested from the previous ninth um, edition supplements, is there's quite a lot of movement in the lore. Um, because I think you've mentioned it quite a lot, Jay, on the on the podcast. The new codexes that we've been getting haven't really been touching on the law where we are right now 
in yeah. ninth edition, apart from the Black Templars, I think you said. Yeah, the Black Templars had a, had a bit. You're right about the Crusades. The Black Templars have launched post Indomitus era. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the Dark Eldar one especially being quite disappointed in that it, it hardly referenced anything to do with the uh, uh, you know the, the current setting, the you need uh, Inari and Arcan and things like that. Arcan is Arcan, isn't it? Yeah, Arcan the um, Asperbelvec. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to check out uh, the Wars of Terrors book first. Um, the, the law is really good in this. Um, I tell you what took me by surprise though is obviously you, when you open the page in this book, you're expecting to read about tyranids, you're expecting to read about orcs, and you're expecting to read about the Inquisition and the Imperium in general. What I wasn't expecting is the amount of other um, factions that get mentioned in this book. So. I'm not going to go into spoiler territory really here, but um, there are a couple of other Xenos races that make an appearance in this book. Uh, and there's also a Chaos um, faction as well, um, an offshoot of Chaos Space Marines. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's very good. Um, it, it really opens the doors to the rest of the series. I don't know how many books they're going to do for this one. They did two for... Uh, Caradon, didn't they? Um, yeah, I believe they've already said Octarius is a two-parter. So we've just got one more part to come out for this. Okay. Um, what this does also do is um, it really goes into detail on what the Tyranids and the Orcs have been up to in this kind of never-ending war and how the Imperium basically are fighting to try and keep them contained within this real small sector because um, they don't want them to spill out into other planets and uh, realizes more out there because these armies are getting stronger and stronger as these two factions duke it out. Um, it talks a lot about massive bioconstructs of tyranids um, and really bulky orcs as well. So the lore is is very good in this. Um, the, uh, towards the end of the segment, um, I will touch upon the lore again to kind of give it an overview. Um, but yeah. So that, that's that's the law. Um, we then go into kind of campaign stuff. Um, there is some very fun campaign elements in this. It's called the Pancallus Assault Campaign. One thing straight off the bat is there's no battle plans or anything in here. So this is just campaign rules, which the book uses uh, previously published um, missions from, say, the core rulebook. Um, to display how you can play through this campaign. What you really want is you want the Crusade book that comes with, uh, well, sorry, that you can buy separate uh, and play it through as Crusade. I think I think that's the best way of playing this. Um, however, there are different things you can do with, like, um, you know, the, if you wanted to play it as a match play campaign, you could easily do that using the core, um, the core rules, the the core mission packs from the core rules or the um, previous match play separate books. Um, the, the main thing I wanted to point out about this, sort of the, this campaign uh, rules in this box, there's a few new additions, are the use of shadow missions. So these are like an extra component that you can put into your campaign um, that works alongside strategic reserves. So what you would do is you would set aside the units that you wanted to be in strategic reserve. You then get the choice. If you've got an infantry squad in reserve, you can send them on a shadow mission if you want. So you can either pick one from the table of six 
or alternatively, you can roll for it. I think if you're going to be playing for a campaign, you'll be going off the names of these Shadows missions and applying the one that best fits the narrative of that game. So you've got stuff like disrupt, uh, disrupt supply lines, daring raids, sabotage comms network, stuff like that. So what you then do is obviously battle round one, you sort of send strategic reserve anyway. But then at the start of battle round two, you roll the dice and you're looking to match or beat the corresponding dice value uh, in this table. Um, for most of them, it's a six plus. So you've only got a one in six chance of completing the shadow mission um, in the second battle round. If you do manage to do so, you then get a result which basically hinders your opponent. So for the rest of the game, for example, say you've got the demolish ammo cache. It's a five plus to succeed in battle round two. So Matt rolls a five plus, say. Um, say he's fighting Jay. Jay then, for the rest of that mission, all these war gear type stratagems will cost him an extra CP. Nice. Um, which is pretty cool. Now, obviously, Jay might be doing a, a mission himself as well and may hinder Matt in, in, in another shape or form. That seems likely. Seems likely, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's cool. If you, um, if you then, if you succeed, great. Your, um, your, your band of infantry, your unit of infantry can then join the battle using the normal strategic reserves rule. If you failed, no problem. You can do one or two things. You can either recall them and bring them in, forget about the shadow mission, or you can keep them in strategic reserve and you get another shot at it in battle round three. If you wait and go into battle round three, then basically it's either the same dice roll or it's slightly easier. So you're not always going to be completing these shadow missions. They are quite hard. It's either basically a one in six or two in six chance of completing a shadow mission. Um, But I think increasing the... Um, opponent's CP usage is a very powerful result. If um, in battle round three you fail or you succeed, then you really you've got to bring your reserves on anyway, otherwise they're going to be lost. In any case, when you come to bring the strategic reserve unit on, whether or not you succeed or fail in battle round two or three, you roll a dice for each model in that unit, and on a one you pick a model and they're dead that's to reflect them falling during the shadow mission so very similar to how you would like get out of transport basically do you think um do you think obviously using the same system but but it's you just roll in a dice basically do you think there's much scope for having a sideboard with a game of kill team on and essentially each turn of 40k you play you play through i don't know two turns of kill team and if they manage to complete their objective they can then unlock that special effect and come back to the battlefield 100 more interactive yeah i think if you've got the time and the space on 100 i think that would be great fun in particular for crusade um i think that'd be great because that unit could get extra experience then you could you could write that into the campaign yeah i think there was um there was a group of guys on twitter a couple of years ago and they went up to warhammer World and they were playing a big apocalypse game but then two of them were playing a kill team game and it the kill team was set in like um, an orbital satellite orbiting the planet that was in control of all these um, orbital lasers. And as the kill team game sort of went back and forth, the apocalypse game, certain teams got access to these um, sort of like almost like deep striking laser beams sort of things. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah that, that sounds awesome. That's how I'd do it with like, um, you know, four of you, two of you playing one game, two of you playing another, you know, interfering with each other's games. Do, do you know what that what you can kind of imagine happening and it would it would work out awesome if you were like writing this awesome campaign is if like your kill team managed to shut down the comms but then they play out the rest of the game and they end up all getting wiped so they kind of like it's almost like um, Rogue One yeah, yeah kind of Star Wars style um and you can imagine that in campaign like I had this I had this one kill team and they did this but then they never actually made it back to gain experience because they all died. Um, my friend's yeah. down there he'll get the shield down in no time well this will be the shortest offensive of all time quote <laughs> <laughs> Lando Calrissian absolutely um, so yeah I thought that was a really fun um, addition uh, to, to kind of the, uh, to, to a campaign um, I, I, I think I mean that, that's nice it's, it's a nice thing to have in this book um, but I wasn't really expecting it it was a nice bonus um, we then have really what a lot of people are after, and that's that's proper rules for armies. This book has two codex supplements, one for Cadians and one for High Fleet Leviathan. It then also has some additional rules for all Tyranids, and then we also have a couple of appendices for the Inquisition and for the Tyranids. Um, so let's straight off the bat say... If you don't collect any of those armies, that is a massive segment of this book. That um, also, if you don't collect Inquisition, if you don't collect K- um, uh, Kadia in particular, and if you don't collect Tyranids, that's a large portion of this book that is just going to be of absolutely no interest to you. Um, which I think, when you look at the kind of the, the, the lore is good in here, and you've got a couple of pages of campaign stuff. Um, because I think this is about twenty five, thirty pounds. I think this book. Um, I think it's got pounds, a little bit. 30 yeah, pounds. thirty pounds. I think it's got a little bit of a limited appeal, um, based on the choices that are in this book. That's that's a negative. If you do collect one of those armies or supplements or, or you know uh, factions, then there is some really tasty stuff in here. So we're gonna touch upon Cadia. Um, which is an army regular listeners will know I have been keen to start, which is why I've been kind of trying to finish off my general. Um, this adds three warlord traits. It adds four relics and it adds, I think it's seven um, exclusive stratagems to Cadia. Um, does it add a new homeworld? It doesn't add a new homeworld, <laughs> no. It definitely doesn't have it. It does, however, have um, a one CP stratagem called Cadia Stands. Um, and I think this was previewed on Warcom. Propaganda. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you slide to Cadia in the infantry unit. Uh, an unmodified wound roll of one or two, uh, the attack always fails, irrespective of any abilities of the weapon or model making the attack. Oh, the Black Templars. And if the attack has a damage characteristic of one, you can add one to your armor saving throw, which is really good on a guardsman, I think, because there's going to be lots trying to wound you on twos as well. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. Oh, definitely uh, on something like that, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, like a low toughness model. Yeah. So um, looking at the warlord traits, uh, first of all, Warcom preview gifted commander, which basically allows you to redeploy some units at the beginning of the game. You could also put them into strategic reserve if you wanted. Um, one that I really liked was Steel Discipline, 
So you pick a friendly kid in unit that's performing an action within six inches of this model. That unit can still shoot without the action failing. Chances are you're going to have a lot of Cadian units anyway to do actions with, but um, your general is more likely going to be towards the back. So you might as well get, you know, every squad that you can shooting to do as much damage as possible. So you could, whereas like you see this quite a lot on um, a lot of characters can have this kind of warlord trait, but a lot of them want to be charging forward and get into combat. So it doesn't really make sense. Whereas a, a, a general of an Imperial Guard army is more likely to have a warlord trait where he can have his troops performing actions while still um, shooting and stuff. A um, couple of really cool relics. Uh, one um, battle cannon replacement is called Gatekeeper. Um, it's still um, it's very similar to a, a battle cannon, but instead it does damage flat free. Uh, and it also you add one to the attack roll, uh, attack wound roll if you're targeting a chaos unit, which I thought was um, was quite quite good. Um, I don't like it, Dave. I don't like it. Don't I like think it. I think it should be chaos units get plus one to wound it. <laughs> um, Tactica Pax Cadia can be given to an officer only once per battle round when you use a battle tactic or strategic play stratagem that requires you to select a Cadian unit. If that unit is within six inches of this model, this model can use the relic provided it has not been used for that stratagem already during the battle. If it does, that stratagem costs one fewer CP to a minimum of zero. There's a relic for the Imperial Guard where you can, on a six plus, you gain a CP back when your opponent uses one. This is like a more reliable version of that. And it's once per battle round as well. So you're going to get plenty of use of this. Um, it's almost like another free CP every battle round, um, which I quite liked. I don't think we've seen anything like that before. We've seen lots that you've got the chance of regaining CP, but nothing that does that, Don't I don't think. No. Yeah, um, which I thought was um, which was quite cool. Um, you've then got, like, say, the, the seven stratagems. We've already mentioned the KD Stands one, which was um, previewed on Warcam. One that I thought was very flavoursome was field promotion. So for one CP, when your warlord dies, you can straight away select another officer. That officer then becomes your warlord. You can pick a trait for him as normal. Um, and he counts as your warlord then. So, say for example, um, Matt, you had Slay the Warlord, you kill the warlord. I'm like, right, I'm using a CP to promote Bob, the um, junior officer, to warlord. You've it, it specifically stated you don't have, cool. yeah, you you um you then don't get Slay the Warlord. You've then got to kill him as well. Um, Bob dies a horrific it. death, the whole planet goes with him. <laughs> <laughs> So I the custodians have it. Yeah, I like that. The custodians have one called Shoulder the Burden or something, which is very similar, where when the warlord dies, you can nominate a custodian character to take command. Um, I do like those ones, because like you say, they can foil an opponent's uh, strategy for that turn if they've banked on getting that Slay the Warlord or killing that particular warlord, and then you use that strat as like a curveball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the only other stratagem that I was going to pick out was Load, Fire, Reload for 1 CP. Um, it applies to a Cadian vehicle, and you're looking for one that has a blast weapon. An unmodified hit roll of a six, that attack inflicts one additional hit. But if you're targeting a monster or vehicle, it inflicts two additional hits instead, um, which is ace, unlike a big battle cannon. And if a hit is scored, then until the start of your next turn, the target cannot fire overwatch or set to defend. So, um, yeah, some really 
cool, flavoursome um, Suffolkadians. You've then got uh, one army of renown in here, um, which is for the Death Watch. Uh, this is called Kill Team Strike Force. Uh, it allows you to uh, run the Death Watch in a slightly different way. You can only select kill teams, so you can't really have any vehicles or anything like that. Um, you have to pay for the specialism upgrade as well, but it makes them a bit tougher, so it makes them a bit more elite. They get a new rule called the Veterans of the Long Vigil, um, which allows you to choose a chapter tactic for your whole army that replaces the Xenos Hunters one, which the Death Watch usually have. So, for example, for a turn, you could get the full chapter tactics of Ultramarines for your entire army. Then the next turn, you could go Imperial Fists, um, whatever, whatever you decide to choose. Um, and then you've got some really cool stratagems as well to, to play along with that. Um, one which is causing a little bit of a stir online. It, it does cost free CP, so it is quite an expensive stratagem. But you basically pick your kill team that will have a specialist upgrade. So say you've upgraded it with the Fiora one, which um, allows them re-rolls against troop choices. If you spend this um, stratagem on them, if you successfully hit them in com, it successfully hit your opponent in combat or shooting, it auto wounds, which is very powerful, regardless of whatever weapons in that unit. Um, it just auto wounds, um, which gets around sort of a lot of the higher armor targets that you might struggle against with this particular build of army. Um, I do think it is quite a specialized. I mean, they are supposed to be specialized as army of renowns. Um, and I would try this in probably a, a fun game, but outside that, I, do, I don't think I'd, I'd bother. Um, I don't think it's um, it's worth it, really. You've got new Tyrion stuff in here. So you've got uh, new stuff for Leviathan. So if you play that particular high fleet, it gets the same treatment as the Cadian um, stuff. So you've got um, three Warlord traits, you've got um, four Relics, and you've got ten um, stratagems exclusive to that high fleet. Um, we've seen a couple of these previewed on Warcom. The one that got Jay talking, of course, was the Synaptic Hive Blades, um, which you could give to a model with bone swords or monstrous bone swords. And basically, you ignore invulnerable saves with that weapon, cool. which is super powerful. Um, really, really good. Um, you've also got stuff like there's a Warlord trait called Swarm Leader. Um, in your command phase, you can select one Leviathan infantry beast or swarm unit within nine inches until the start of your next command phase. Each time a model attack, uh, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, you can re-roll a hit roll. So it's basically like turning a beast into um, a chapter master, um, which is something you can't do in the Tyranny Codex as it is. But it is a really old codex, and I think we're going to see a lot of sweeping changes when the ninth uh, edition book comes out. And I think this kind of gives a preview of that with like how the stratagems are uh, and the wall of traits and the relics. Uh, I think this is really planting the seed of what we're going to see in that next book. So yeah, that that's, that's, that's very cool. But the main thing I wanted to talk about for the Tyranids uh, is a new ability that isn't just restricted to the Leviathan. It's for any Tyranid army. So you don't need to do anything for this. It's just an extra um, ability you can, you can do. It costs points. You pick a Synapse um, monster. Um, so you've got a table here that's got like, your Brewlord on there, Hive Tyrant, your Tyranid Primes, your Zone Thropes. They then have, um, if you pay the points, which ranges from 10 to 15 points, it unlocks an ability. So, for example, for the Brewlord, 
you've got Mastery of the Shadows. What that does is it allows you to pick a unit. That unit then has the benefits of light cover and heavy cover. And if they get faced with a range attack from over 12 inches away, they also get the benefit of dense cover as well. Now, that, that's all very cool. We like paying upgrades for new abilities. But this works a little bit differently for the Tyranids. So instead of saying you pick a unit within six inches of the model with this ability, instead it has to be in the synaptic, synaptic link range. So as long as the unit is within 12 inches of a synapse creature, which in itself is within 12 inches of the model with that ability, it can be used which is exactly how I would imagine Synapse to work. So you don't have to be within range of that particular you know, Hive Tyrant, for example. You could be in range of another Synapse creature, which just has to be within range of the Hive Tyrant. What do you guys think of that? So you can almost string it along, can't you, effectively? Yeah. yeah. I'm fairly There's... certain that's how it used to work back in the day. What is it? Tyranid Warriors used to extend the synapse range. They boosted it, yeah. Basically, you could send forward your Tyranid Warriors, your creatures like that, and that would basically give you bubbles of synapse extended from your your high tyrants. That's why the the old adage for the Imperial Guard was shoot the biggins, because if you shot the biggins, that broke the synaptic network. Yeah. Um, It's a bit like the uh, Kernoff Hunters in Sylvaneth, who can extend the bubble of the um, command abilities. Yeah, exactly. They've got pretty much exactly the same mechanic, haven't they? Yeah. So I. It's very I, cool, very thematic. I like it. Yeah, I I really like that. Um, I think that's a great addition, and I think it's great that tuned players can use that straight off the bat, uh, regardless if you love Eifer or Bearmuff like myself. Um, I can take advantage of that. So yeah, really, really like that. Otherwise, for new content in this book, it refreshes some of the data sheets for fortifications. I think I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Um. I don't think anybody pays points for fortifications in match play. Um, But what this book does give you the rules for is using them in Crusade and upgrading them. So I think what I think I'm going to do is the the list I've written for my Acadian army includes a couple of fortifications that I intend to then upgrade as the campaign goes on. Uh, And when we briefly took on the the, the Crusade book, um, there's going to be lots of missions where I'll be able to be playing as the defender and utilizing those buildings um so yeah uh, i think that's that's quite a cool option for crusade i don't think it's ever going to see um time in match play though um and other than that you've you've got a reprint of uh, all the inquisition rules from um the psychic awakening pariah zero changes exactly the same uh, and you've also got reprints of the uh, Tyranids. The Tyranids got a big load of new rules in, I think it was Blood of Baal. And they got new psychic powers. They got new artifacts. They got new abilities. That's all reprinted in here. Again, no changes. Um, they're, they're all just as they were written. I think it basically means that you can now, I think that's all the content from Psychic Awakening now. You could, you know, maybe discard those books. Um, if you're still interested in any of those kind of armies that were within them, um, the custodians are still that that one's there with um, the Fabius Bile and, oh, the, yeah, tow, course, and yeah. the tower as well. Oh, I can't remember which one the tower was in. Yeah. Um, to lie, there is there is one other um, there's one other new bit in this book, and that's um, Crusade content 
uh, again centered on um the tyranids and the astra militarum so um you've got some new agendas you've got exclusive relics and battle traits um uh, you've got those fortification upgrades that i mentioned your requisitions um these are all very 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 fluffy and um, to both of their armies and again like when i closed this book i was like I really want a Crusade Cadia army. I think it would just be so much fun. There's so much content in here that would just make writing a campaign out for them really, really um, excellent. Um, but like I said, if you're not interested in Cadia or Tyranids, the book probably isn't for you. Like, for example, UJ, you, you probably enjoyed sort of reading the review and you probably enjoy reading the book, but there's probably nothing there for you to want to go out and buy it. It seems like the kind of thing, these books, that if you've got a group of friends or a club and there's someone in that club or group of friends that collects armies inside that book, let them buy it and then everyone benefits from the Crusade content and whatnot, campaign content. And then when, when you know, when the Craftworld Elder Crusade and campaign stuff comes along, I'll pick that up and we can all benefit from that rather than having to go out and buy everyone, like you say. I mean, mm. I can't imagine. I wouldn't get much use of this on my own. I'd only ever get use out of it with you guys so mm-hmm. i mean we've got so I, I picked up now the crusade book containment there's there's not a massive amount i can talk about um with this book on the podcast because it's mainly um you've got 21 new battle plans in here spread across the four different size games so from combat patrol all the way up to onslaught um that that takes up the bulk of this book yeah, um, so this is, this is a mission pack, isn't it? So in the same way the General's Handbook, uh, this is a new mission pack that contains a load of new scenarios. Basically, is is, is what it delivers, isn't it? Absolutely, it does. It does give you some new rules for Planet Strike, though, which is what is what a lot of these missions are centered on. And um, Planet Strike, I think we originally saw back in, I, I think it said in the review seventh edition. Um, I think I that's think right. right. Um, so you get loads of stratagems that, that, that bounce off having attackers and defenders. Basically, you're attacking a planet um, and, and you're either defending or, or attacking. What I would have liked to have seen is all that kind of shadow mission stuff that was in the Warzone Octarius. I'd like to have seen that in here as well, because whereas maybe the, the Octarius book is a bit of a hard sell for some people, this Crusade book is, in my opinion, if you're interested in Crusade, a must-buy because I just think the battle plans and uh, the campaign rules in this book are just simply superb. And I really want us as, as a group of um, Crusade players to play through some of these new battle plans because I think they would be really fun. And you look at some of them and you're like, how on earth do the defenders or the attackers win this? But that's the, that's the beauty of Crusade. It doesn't really matter. You're telling a tale. You're telling, telling a narrative. It's never going to be 100% balanced. Um, so, yeah, I, I would. it's just a shame that, you know, I'd want to take advantage of those, like, shadow missions and stuff, but they're all locked behind another book, um, which which is a shame. But if you've got any interest in Crusade, 100%, I'd definitely recommend picking up um, the containment book. Uh, like I mentioned uh, at the top of this um, top of this segment, um, you can check out my full written reviews of both of these over on Spruce and Brews. The link is in the podcast notes. 
Um, and yeah, highly recommend you uh, you check that out. That brings that section to a close, and we still have quite a bit of the podcast left to go. So we're going to take a pause and come back with the top three. It is time for this week's top three. And with Harrow Deep now up for pre-order, we decided to pick out our top three favourite Warhammer Underworlds warbands since day one, all the way to the brand new ones that are in the Harrow Deep box. So there is plenty to choose from, because I think a lot of the factions now are covered, aren't they? Um, which is very impressive. Mm. Uh, so, we're, so yeah, let's let's chat about what we've uh, picked out as our top three. Andy, um, do you want to start us off this week? What was What was your third choice? Uh, so my third choice was Zarg Bags Gits, uh, <laughs> which I think was back in season one, I think, if I remember right. Um, so not only do you get quite a large amount of models for an Underworld Warband, but all of them have quite a lot of character to them. Like one of them's got a mushroom on his head, another one's got arrow through his head. There's a, a, a fanatic drinking a potion, you know, Netta, even a squig herder. And then, of course, you've got the two squigs, which, you know, all, all squigs are so full of character. Um, and, yeah, seeing them, um, when when they first came out, I kind of looked at them and was like, wow, that's, you know, that's that's, <laughs> that's a lot of models to, to be playing in that sort of board game. And. I used to play these guys back in um, the first edition of Underworld, and I used to just absolutely love it. Like you, you gave away so much glory; it was insane. <laughs> um, but even playing the fanatic, it was just you know, it brought that randomness from Age of Sigmar into the tabletop, and, and that for me was was great. Yeah, they're they're a great looking warband. Um, I never picked these guys up or played with them, but. I think you did, Jade. I think they, they look really fun to use. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, they just have that many like models. Um, it was weird. And I think, actually, they were one of the early casting warbands, I think. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if they were the first casting warband, but they definitely had the shaming in there. Yeah, you're right. They were one of the first, I think. Um, what's your second choice, Andy? So my second choice, this is a bit controversial, but my second choice is the Crimson Court. The Crimson Court, eh? So vampires are obviously full of character anyway. And in this box, you get four of them. And all four of them could easily just be a vampire lord in your regular games of Age of Sigmar. Mm. And seeing them on the... Uh, seeing the actual models in person, they're, they're just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, you've got one that kind of looks like Manfred von Karstein. You've got one that clearly looks um, a lot like um, Vlad von Karstein. And you've got another one that looks like Isabella. And then, of course, you've got the one with bat wings that looks like, uh, I think it was a Conrad, the crazy one. Conrad mm. von Karstein, I think his name. So for for me, the, the Crimson Court was one of those that was um, a really nice throwback to um, 8th edition vampire characters. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that I haven't picked up yet, but I, I look forward to when I do. Yeah, this is what I I wouldn't mind picking up. I think you um you did a really good job painting yours, Matt. Yeah, I I really enjoyed painting mine. They're really really cool set. Excellent. So that leaves your top choice, Andy. What what was top of the pile for you? So I'm gonna cheat a little bit. 
because I've got I've got a top choice and then I've got a top model. Okay. So my top choice is the Canaan's Reapers, the Osseot Bone Reaper one, mm-hmm. because again, like Bone Reapers is, is stuff that I've been painting up quite a lot recently, and again, looking at what they can do with Underworlds and how much character they can put into the individual models. Obviously, that's something that you kind of lose a bit with, um, like Mortec Guard, for example, because you know we're all just supposed to be basic line infantry guys um but with the underworld warband it, it really brought them to life but the the thing that really drew me to them is the stuff that hasn't appeared yet in age of sigma so we've got an archer in there which again in age of sigma we don't currently have any mortec archers no. so again is that something we're going to get in the future if it is i'm probably going to buy tons of them mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, you've got Kanan himself, who looks halfway between a Necropolis Stalker and a Mortisan Soul Reaper. And it's, again, like, are we going to get more sort of uh, construct hero characters? You know, what what are we going to do with um, the Bone Reapers going forward? So for, for me, this was sort of like my standout top choice. But my top model for Underworlds has to be the little Crabnos. Elohine oh. <laughs> Soul Raid, I think it's called. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the rest of the models, but the little Crabnos that comes in Underworld, the, the amount of attention he got on social media when this model went live and the pictures started to come out. I don't <laughs> think I've seen a more popular model. <laughs> oh, it's, it is all about that crab. And we've got a parrot coming up as well. We need some kind of like critter something yeah. for Underworlds, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, great, great shout there. Uh, great shout there, Andy. Uh, Matt, what, what's your um, what's your top three? Let's let's start with your third choice. So so, so while Andy's have spread across all eras of, of Warhammer Underworlds, I've gone for three from the last season, uh, Diachasm. I, I think Diacasm had some of the best Warhammer models ever. And mm. uh, yeah, a lot of them are in here. So number three, I've got Kagar's Ravagers, the Chaos Warband. Uh, and this is all based on aesthetics, the whole the whole list. This is because all the models in here are basically reincarnations of old limited edition Chaos models, which is such a cool thing. Each of them individually could be used as, you know, various Chaos characters within, you know, your slaves to darkness army you've got a cool sorcerer you've got a cool warlord you've got a few kind of other heroes that you can have i think they just look really really cool and have a really cool kind of old school look to them which Mm. i hope i hope is leading to a bit of a refresh of the um you know the basic infantry for the uh slaves of darkness obviously we got the push fit ones in the start collecting box which is great I just like to see the multi-part kits maybe phased out and replaced with this kind of stuff. Spoiler alert, back. That's my third choice as well. Um, in my top three, um, I really like the classic look of these models. Um, and in, in particular, if I had to pick out a model that I, uh, was my favourite of the warband, it was the Sorcerer. Yeah, the Sorcerer's really cool. They're, they're so nice. I, I love these models. Number two, though, is the Starblood Stalkers, the Seraphon Warband. I... This is probably the most enjoyable one that I painted and really wanted me to kind of start a Seraphon army. 
if and we've said this on this painting stream and on the podcast a few times if it wasn't for the current saurus models yeah. The, 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 the Saurus in this box is so characterful. All the skinks are amazing. You've got the chameleon skink with the blowpipe. You've got the really nice star priest with his orb. This is a great set. It's just a shame that some of the Seraphon models in the existing range aren't up to the quality of these. Yeah, because if, the, right. if, we, if we had arguably new skinks and new Saurus kind of more in line with these, they, I think a lot of people would start Seraphon armies for the models rather than for awesome magic and pistilodons. <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yes yeah, that was my second choice but number one choice there's only there's only one more band that could be number one is the crimson court andy mentioned it earlier they are absolutely gorgeous models i have seen so many people paint these that just chuck the cards in the bin because they're not going to play it they just want to paint the models or use them for warhammer fantasy or use them in their soul blight grave lords armies or just paint them because they're cool I think these are arguably the best Age of Sigmar models that GW have done. Yeah. For like it, char- for kind of here standard kind of human sized characters, I think these are these are the best. Yeah, they're they're, they're superb. There's there's not a bad model in this war band. Um, between you and Andy, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. Really, they're absolutely superb. Um, Jay, uh, what's your top three? What's what's your third choice? So mine has a fee. My top three choice. So my first one is the first war band that I really, really liked. So I think when I first started, I picked up the Fire Slayers, the Dwarfs, um, because there weren't any elves. Um, and then the Silver Death war band came out. Is it um, Ilfari's Guardians? Mm. And um, I love these. These also had a caster, and they were basically an army, a war band made of Tree Revenants, which is some of my favourite Silver Death models. Unfortunately, Andy, there was a Tree Revenant here with a bow. And I thought, wow, yeah, it'd be so cool if we get units of Tree Revenants with bows. And we never got any Tree Revenants with bows. So I, I, I you know, remain optimistic for your Osiot Bone Reaper with bows. Um, and hopefully that might lead to some Sylvaneth with bows. Um, but I liked the four models in this war. Mind you, you had the caster with like the vines coming off her. Uh, and then three Revenants. One with a big great sword, one with a big great axe, and then one with the bow um, and i put a lot of time into building decks for this uh, warband and practicing against my brother a lot with this warband uh, really enjoyed using it um so that's my number three choice uh, my number two choice is a more recent warband and it's uh, miari's light callers um, now i haven't used these in a game um, but i have pretty much painted up every model uh, from warband um and these were really really cool because i was sort of riding that lumineff roller coaster at the time and this was the first time we got a glimpse of a potential new luminaf army uh, a unit sorry the sword masters uh, the mm. blade lords um so maybe andy you will get your ashiart bone reaper with a bow because we certainly got units of blade lords later on um hopefully yeah so so these these were um, a cool warband and actually miari lightcaller he's quite good in a luminaf um a sigma force as well with his um, rules that he's got um and my number one choice is the um i can never pronounce it it's either scaife or skeef or scaffs uh wild hunt the kenoffi warband um these models are just obviously kenoffi uh, we've only seen kenoffi here and in uh curse city with the um uh is it qualafis the exile uh, they have not yet been expanded into a full faction for age sigma but if they look like these models they're going to be so cool when they do uh, you've also in this one got a little beast as well, so maybe I will take this one to our beast battle royale if we ever have one. <laughs> um, and the, uh, the 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 standout model from this this uh, warband has to be that centaur. Um, 
with the uh, shield and javelin. Um, so yeah, I, I've not really played with these guys either in uh, Underworlds. I've not played much Underworld recently, but I think if we did go back to Underworlds tomorrow, this would be the warband that I pick up and try and use. Yeah, I had a feeling this was going to be your top choice, Jake. I, I know how much you're chomping at the bit for uh, a Ranger Kanafi, uh, whether or not yeah. they're folded into Sylvan F or they, they become their own thing. Just m- more Kanafi, uh, I think you'd be you'd be very very happy. Yeah, definitely. Um, finally, we've got we've got my top three. So Matt obviously pointed out uh, Kagra's Reavers. Um, uh, I really like this warband. I love the, the the real classic element of them. There's not not a lot more I can say on those guys that Matt's not not already touched upon. Uh, my second choice though um, delves back in time to the original Underworld's warbands, uh, and I picked out Spike Claw's Swarm, which was the Skaven. Uh, the Skaven Warband. Oh, yeah. And this was our first look at Skaven in Age of Sigmar. So we've not we've not had at this point um, any new Skaven models for Age of Sigmar, I don't think. Um, and they, they were really cool. Uh, you could see what they would do if they redid Clan Rats. Um, and in particular, that Claw Lord, where he's leaping over the sewer. Um, I still use that model... Uh, we'll be using that model as my Claw Lord in my in my Skaven army, um, because I absolutely love that model. Um, it was a little bit more of a challenge to use the actual Warband itself in games, but I would like to give them another go, um, mainly because of the same problem with the, the Goblins. You get quite a few of them. They're, they're one of the biggest um, numbers uh, in, in a Warband that you can play with. Um, then we've got my top choice. And this isn't actually one that I've bought yet, but it's it, it's pretty high on the, you know, need to, to, to add to the collection. And that's Headcracker's Mad Mob. <laughs> the Savage Aurochs. Um, the Fresh Bandicoot uh, Warband. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think there's a bad model in this in this in this group of um mad Aurochs. I mean I love the Aurochs anyway. Um and Headcracker himself with that really cool mask. Yeah. They just look so fun to use. Um, I really want to pick these guys up. Um, if, if we're going to be getting back into to Underworlds with obviously Harrow Deep, um, I think these might be the guys I might have to pick up, paint and uh, and bring along um, to have a bit of a Barney um, yeah, under the sea. So, um, so yeah, absolutely superb. And I think, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. I think um, Diachasm was home to some of the best Underworld you know, models that we've seen. Um, I just think Underworlds as general, it's just as time's gone on, the, the warbands have got nicer and nicer. They've got more and more adventurous. Uh, and I can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, well, we need to get some paint on the Harrowdeep. So Jay's done a full Harrowdeep uh, review over in the site, and yeah, I'm desperate to paint up these uh, these models. We need to get get on that and uh, see how they do in the game. Yeah, I think actually the the sort of new version of Underworlds as well. There's some cool new mechanics in there, um, and we've also got the Rivals format where you have like pre-made decks, um, mm. which I think is going to be a much more accessible way for people to enjoy Underworlds more casually than trying to, you know, refine and tune your deck. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Should be a lot of fun. There are top three choices. We do have one final segment of the podcast left. It's the community top three, and we'll be right back with that. (laughs) 
it's time to wrap up this week's show with the community top three choices. Matt, what have we got over on Twitter? So Peter says, uh, number three, Lady Harrow's Mourn Flight, Canaan's Reapers and the Man Trappers. I'm surprised you didn't have the Ogre Warband in yours, Dave. Um, <laughs> I was looking at them uh, and I was like, did they make it? Uh, they, they would probably have been my fourth choice, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, they are, they are pretty cool. Bulizimin says Althean Soul Raid, the Dread Pageant, which are the Dread Pageant are so good, and Morgrace Coven, again, really cool set. However, I suspect the new Crawl Boys in the new set will be there soon. They also look really cool. Nevermore says my favourite three to play are Grashraks, Despoilers, The Worm, Spat, and Grimwatch. Oh, I love The Worm, Spat as well. This is the thing, there's so many awesome Warhammer Underworlds Warbands, mm. but um, Nevermore's favourites by Lux are Throthgorn's Manhunters, Kegra's Ravagers, and the Starblood Stalkers. And then finally, Philip Conniger says, I don't know m- much about Warhammer Underworlds, but that vampire out of the Crimson Court is currently on a 20 by 20 square base and getting painted for more time in the old world. <laughs> excellent yeah that's really cool um matt that leads us to ask the question what is next week's top three well with a whole host of middle earth stuff on the way next week we want to know your top three middle earth models that's that's a good one we don't get to talk much about middle earth uh, on this show so yeah i'm I'm looking forward to it's a long time i think it's years since we've covered middle earth on the podcast so this is quite exciting and yeah, so have a nice theme top three next week. Um, mm. I'll have to go through the range, pick out some models. That brings us to the end of another week's episode. Um, can't wait for that top three next week. Um, and uh, can't wait to chat hobby again with you guys. Uh, see what we've all been up to as we step a little bit closer to uh, to our next tournament as well. Until then, have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews.